Hi folks, I'm Larry. You're now listening to Larry. This is our monthly podcast where we're going to be interviewing some experts who can add some value to your real estate life. Today I'd like to welcome Troy Dauker. He's going to chat with us and share his experience and interesting journey in real estate. For, for the people listening, Troy is one of only three Chairman's Elite High Performance Agents on the Gold Coast and only one in five in Queensland. So his speciality and focus seem to be down on the southern end on the beachfront where, just like in the, the sitcom Cheers, everybody knows his name. So thank you, Troy. That's the introduction in terms of qualifying why we're asking your wisdom here. So can we, can we go back a bit and let's start from the beginning? When did you start in real estate and how did that happen and why? Why did you choose real estate? Yeah, I was, um, I was working in um, surf retail for Brothers Nielsen uh, for a few years back around 2000 to 2003. And uh, uh, around about mid-2003, I had a couple of mates of mine, Jade Bazette, who you know, and, and well. um, Matt Lloyd. Uh, Matt's parents owned a uh, little boutique office in Main Beach. And Matt and Jade, they left the industry um, to, um, to pursue a career in real estate. And I was sort of inspired off the back of those guys. So I went and did my salesperson certificate uh, at the RIQ. And then Scott Wagner, who was <laughs> a um, partner with Steve Martin at Ray White Mermaid Beach at the time, Scott came into the, to the, the surf shop and came in for a, uh, for a shirt. And I started chatting to him and he walked out with like six shirts and two shorts and, and he came, he spent a lot more than he anticipated. And then we just got uh, sort of our, our conversation evolved there around real estate and um, it created a window of opportunity for me. So I sat down with um, Steve and Scott and um, I was lucky enough they gave me a start. Um, they, they opened an office at Ray White Burley, which was... Uh, located at treetops right and um and, and it all evolved from there so interesting name um uh, scott wagner and i wrote our real estate exam same day so three of us sat in a row joe bell booth myself and scott wagner all became licensed agents awesome. on the same day oh, so there's a bit of history that's incredible yeah. so about so you've been in real estate since 2003 you said but then about three or four years ago your business completely transformed and you went from being, can I say modestly, maybe a top 10% agent to a superstar in a short space. So I have two questions around that. Firstly, why did that happen? And the second question will be, how did that happen? What made you change so dramatically that changed your business completely? So um, a few years ago, we, we, um, I made a conscious decision to employ a, th a second associate and peel back and clean all my data up, restructure my business and just improve my systems and, and, um, and structure and procedures. So off the back of that, um, you know, we've, we've been writing a high volume of, of, of dollar amount and also the connection and the, the value add that we're providing our clients has um, enhanced our relationships with the with the quality of the information that we're providing them. So um, that has really gained momentum the last few years, and that's been evident in the uh, the results we've been achieving. <coughs> Troy, let's dig down on that a little a little further. 
the difference between the top 10% of agents, let's call them 70 or 80 on the coast, and being one of the two best ones is a huge leap. You obviously made a conscious decision to do that. Why did you do it? Um, I did it because I wanted to be the best and really to, um, uh, to really achieve that, you've got to, the first thing you have to do is do a self-analysis and make a conscious effort to do it. So it's got to come within the drive and the enthusiasm and the belief. So that's where it all started. Um, and then what I did was analyse, well, what are our strong points and what are our weak points? And what, we, what, we, what I did was, okay, how do I make my strong points better? And, but how do I improve my weak points and the structures in the business to get to make them you know stronger than my strong points so it was really about um you know peeling back the business cleaning the data up improving the structures improving the systems putting a second associate on was vital because i had i I could i'm time poor there's no way i could do that by myself so the first the first step was to engage the right person that's going to be the right fit and the right within the culture of the business so, so can we go backwards there before we get to the people? Mm-hmm. So the current business structure that you have is is commonly known in, in our terms now as a data model. Can you explain the model to our listeners? What does a data model mean to you? Yep. So the data model is cleaning, uh, having a core trade area where you're where you're focusing on a specific area, what your where your passion lies and and the people that you want to deal with in that in that preferred location. So we, we, I've been working that now for 14 years, since 2005. But up until a few years ago, I wasn't working as, as effectively as I could have. And this is, this is where the change has come. So we, uh, we had all the, we had a, we, you're never gonna get 100% clean data, but if you can get around up to sort of 75 to 80%, you're doing very, very well. It's just, that's, ex, that's extremely well. So we looked at all the, we looked at our data and we looked at, the percentage that was clean and clean data is um, name and uh, name of the person, the address of the of where they live, um, their email address and their phone number. So what what our what we want to do is clean that data up. So we we had that we had all those specifics with 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 respective um, clients, and once we cleaned all that up, it was about then putting the systems in place and the procedures. So when we when we market a property. We're, uh, we're giving specific information to okay. people that are in that specific area um, that's relevant to them in that, in, in that, I understand. In that, in so that precinct. Could we summarise it by saying, in essence, you've created a mini eco-environment where you and your team have become the friendly, trusted advisors um, and information providers Absolutely. on all property banners. So do you see yourself that way? Is that what you want to be known as, the, the property man in your patch? 100%. And any property question and mm. look we 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 don't know we, we don't know everyone in our area and, and it's it's but it's who knows us yes so if if someone is if someone ever needs um, assistance with regarding real estate whether they're looking at buying selling renting uh, whatever it may be you know where we're top of mind and, and that they'll call us you know for, for help sure you have an outstanding support team you've got two two really good ladies with you um, can you describe their functions? What do they do differently or what do they do for you? So Isabella is um, 
more like my sales associate and she she helps me um, manage the data. So she'll help with cleaning data, changing data with transactions, uh, providing specific information to clients on a regular basis when we list and sell property. Also with our market reviews that go out quarterly, so four times a year in preparation for that and getting the right content to deliver. Um, Alex is administrative uh, PA, so she's doing all the documentations, form sixes, contracts, uh, marketing submissions, weekly report letters, um, marketing, etc. Right, so one's administration and one's really sales yeah. support. Yeah, and data support. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so Troy, you said when you made this significant change, you did a bit of self-analysis, which means that you would have looked at your weaknesses and your strengths. For any inexperienced young agent coming through now, it's probably a common problem. What do you think your weaknesses were? What were you not doing well enough? Um, great question. So it was tying back into cleaning the data and giving quality information to our clients in, in, in our precincts of where we of our core trade area, giving that quality information on a consistent basis. Precincts being apartments, houses, separating uh, the pre sort of the precincts of the suburbs, so um, Palm Beach, so Palm Beach, Beachfront, Beachside, Kurumban, Beachfront, right. Beachside, okay. Chugan, Beachfront, Beachside, Balinga, Beachfront, Beachside, um, and Burley heads, certain areas. As Obviously, well. different information for different uh, sets of sets of people. Yeah, it was all specific to where they live. Okay. So, someone that's living in Palm Beach doesn't want to get information around what's happening beachside Chugan. You know, clients yes. on the beachfront of Palm Beach want to know what's happening and what's relevant to them on the beachfront of Palm Beach. So, we weren't um, several years ago. The quality of the information that we're delivering um, wasn't specific. It was more just broad, so they want to know what's relevant to them and where they specifically live, and that's what we targeted. And that's what your administration team does for you. They dig out that information so you can deliver it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're, we're it's, uh, we give real-time information you know, with every transaction that we're occurring, so that's really important, and people are kept informed. Uh, you know, It's hot off the press. And is consistency... Um, in terms of the amount of times that you make contact with your clients important to you? Absolutely. Has that changed enormously? Absolutely. But it's, it's, really got to be, it's really got to be about them. The, value of the, the quality of information has got to be of value to them. So there's a lot of agents out there, whereas, say, 10 years ago, we might, we might sort of um, promote ourselves around the sale, but it's really... I mean, and that's good. You can, you know, you can certainly promote yourself, but I think it needs to be done in a humble way. Hmm. And the, the more important, the, the more the, the delivery, of the content, and the information is vital, where it's got to be specific to the client. That makes perfect sense. So those were the things that you improved on, and obviously got buy-in from your customers because it's it's you know it's been rewarded with lots of listings. What were the things that you were naturally good at and didn't need much attention? on um i think to be successful in real estate one thing that you got to be your work ethic and discipline um is where is the most vital part of of having a successful career so um just generally speaking to people um having having the drive to make calls and 
and uh, make connections and keep keeping people informed was was something I didn't really have to work on. It was just more about cleaning the data and 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 improving those areas that we we touched on before. So in essence, it's a structure thing. It's a work thing. Is skill overrated? Um, skill that can be overrated. <laughs> I mean, you do. I mean, you know, you do have to have skills, no doubt. You know, it's not. You, you can have you can be disciplined and and have the biggest heart in the world, but you know if you're going to put, you know, you're gonna, if you've got heart and you got and you've got the right attitude and you're going to go in the in a, in, a um, in the boxing ring with yes. you know like um, the the best heavyweight or the best you know middleweight in the world, you, you still would have out. skills, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, I I think that what we find is that many agents come to this business thinking because they're good with people and they've they've got you know they're articulate and they've got good verbal skills, they'll automatically be successful. What they forget is that 80% of it, or probably 85% in my view, is work, it's function, it's systems. The 15%, their personality and their skill comes at the end, but it's not a 50-50 mix. Not at all. To no. be skillful without a work ethic won't help a bit. Yeah, work ethic and attitude is everything. And exactly. I think that's, if, if when, you, when you look at the common denominator in a successful agent, their, their work ethic and their attitude and their discipline um, are, the, are the key components for them to, to strive for success. There'll be many new agents listening to this, hopefully. Please tell them that one more time. Yeah, so, so they get it from you. Work, work ethic, attitude and discipline. And um, you tick those boxes. That's great. Um, you, you know, you, you, can, you can go a long way in this industry. It's a very exciting industry too. So um, any new agents out there, you stick to that. I wish you well. So Troy, let's, let's make this a very simple um, analysis of what you do. A new agent joining this business on Monday. If he were to come to you and say, Troy, give me a paint-by-numbers picture of what I should do to get up and running, what would you do and how would you do it in the simplest fashion? Steps one to five. Yep. Um, number one, I would, I would choose an area that, um, that you're passionate about and that you want to focus on. That's, that's the number one um, box that needs to be ticked. So and you then, don't want to be famous everywhere. You want to be specific in a fairly small area. That's right. Yeah, okay. any, any, I think anywhere up to about anywhere from about eight hundred to twelve hundred contacts would be good, would be ideal, um, and focus on that specific area and, and start in an area that you love, that you're passionate about. You, you already know some people in there. How do you get eight hundred though? Eight hundred. How do you get to meet eight hundred people? Um, I'd go out and I would door knock. Good. And I did a lot of door knocking when I was in my first few years, and I I think I, you cannot beat face to face interaction with someone because when you, they can see you smile, you can give them information, and it, look, and it's not about it's not you're not going to them, you're not going to them to get a sale, or you're not going to them um, to ask them to sell their property. What you're going to do is you, you're planting the seed, and you want to build a relationship with them. Um, and that's the outcome. And you want to get you want to get the data, um, and you want to give them valuable information, and you want to build a long term relationship. So, that so I've gone out. I'm a new fella, and yep. I've collected my 800 names. What do I do with them? Yep. So you want to clean all your data up, make sure that's structured in your systems, and then you want to start giving them quality information on a regular basis. They they need to also have a you need their permission um, because you don't want to. 
you don't want to bombard them with um, with information as well. So it's they need to have an understanding of, of, of what you're looking to achieve. And I think people will appreciate that. If you're, you know, if you're transparent around, um, you know, the information that you're going to provide and, um, and they're happy with that, I, I think you're going to get off on the right step and there's a, um, there's, a, there's a great relationship there that you can, you know, you can, sure. can prosper. Obviously, as a new agent, you don't have a support team, so you don't have two other people supporting this. <clears throat> what should an agent expect of his office in terms of the support around managing the data? And what the agent needs to collect it. We, we understand that. Mm. Once they have it, should the agent expect support from his office around the contact of that data? Uh, I think to a degree, yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's definitely, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard for it. The first, the, there's no doubt about it. The first, the first three years in this, in this industry is very, very challenging. Um, and it should be, any, any new agent coming into this industry should look at it as a, like a, a uni degree or a an apprenticeship um you know you're not going to set the world on fire in the first few years but if you're looking and you've got to look at it as a long-term approach so if you have that mentality from the outset as a long-term approach um that's that's where it's going to be beneficial absolutely and, and you're going to reap the rewards <coughs> in the you know in the medium and long term i understand let's move on from structure you specifically um, have elected to auction most of your properties. So method of sale is important to you. Why did you choose that method and why do you think it's best for you or for your clients? Um, definitely, I, I believe every property can be auctioned. Not every agent should do it. Um, I would say majority property properties can be auctioned, apart from maybe like a development site where yes. there's a lot, mm. lot of due diligence involved. But I just, you know, my belief is that it, it gives the vendor more control. Um, they take control of the market. Uh, it's a cash unconditional sale. So there's definitely, there's a lot of benefits there for the vendor. Mm. And when you've got competitive tension in the market w between buyers with ego and emotion, it, you know, it, it, it helps on the vendor getting the highest price. Absolutely. So would it be fair to say that the only way to be certain of trying to get your vendor the best price is to create competition? Absolutely. Without it, it's almost impossible to negotiate the best deal. And our function, obviously, as agents, is to provide the very best price we can for our vendors. 100%. The other thing, too, is there's no ceiling. With that method of sale, there's no ceiling on the price. So, you know, if you had a, if you had a property listed for a million dollars, no one's going to no pay you 1.1, are they? No. no that, I, think, I think that's quite clear. And it's, it's um, relevant that you said not everybody should do one because the agents that normally talk auctions down just don't understand them they just don't understand what makes them available to their clients so if there's any advice that we could probably give to inexperienced agents out there go and find yourself an office that understands auctions learn the system well and you will be able to deliver value to your clients if you don't learn this significant trick you're missing an opportunity for your clients and in my view you'll probably never ever end up in the top two percent of agents all of the best agents run auction systems. It's almost irrefutable evidence now. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the best agents all around the country, and they, absolutely, and the um, the auction the auction method is a huge part of the culture of the business. Troy, let's move on to marketing. Um, very important. 
you find a balance with your marketing. You, um, you're not excessive in any one uh, component of it, but you're very consistent across all the platforms. And just of the last six months to nine months, you've been making much more um, of your social media presence. Uh, experiment or are you finding better results spending your, your VPA that way? Oh, I think the the digital space and social media is a very powerful tool this day and age. Yeah. So it, it's it's paramount for a um, for a vendor to invest in that, and it's very cost effective actually. I mean, a vendor could invest you know nine hundred dollars into it, or they could invest a couple of thousand dollars. But it's such a powerful tool, and the more people that know about a specific property when we're marketing it, the more people are talking about it. It's only going to help the vendor um, achieve you know maximize the percentages and achieve a higher price, so 100%. Is there any recommended um, percentage that that you go in, when you go in to sell a property, do you say to your vendor, as a recommendation, we'd propose a percentage of, let's call it the value of the property, as an advertising spend, or? Absolutely, I, I believe a good rule of thumb's around 1%. About 1%. Mm. So you would do something completely different for a beachfront property than you would for one back in the suburbs? Yeah, absolutely. Different, different sort of market. Yeah. And and we, I mean, our target market is generally the wealthiest people in the country, which are aged between fifty and seventy-five years of age. So you know, if if you've got an agent out there that's specifically, um, you know, their target, they, you know, they sell a lot of lower price point stock around that sort of four to five hundred thousand dollars, where it's first home buyer, then they, you know, that your target market and your profile is sort of in between sort of twenty years of age and thirty years of age. So that would be completely different. But so as a prestige agent and where we and our our price points are generally from one million to, to eight million. Mm. Um, you know, the, the the marketing resources that we use um, have to be tailored towards the profile that we're targeting. You know? Still obviously at the top end of the pile because you're at the expensive end of the stock. Um, or, and because your your demographic are older purchasers and sellers do you find that the newspapers are benefit to you? Because lots of the older guys are still not tech savvy and they read the newspaper. So um, are you finding that news, newsprint for you is still a valuable tool? Yeah, it's definitely still, it's still um, relevant, absolutely. And then you've got the digital app as well. So um, you know, if someone's uh, you know, 60 years of age, they still love to sit down with their coffee and toast on the weekend and they love to touch and feel the newspaper. Yep. You know, so I think it's... It, it, it's it's important to have a presence there. Understand. You mentioned um, last week when we were having a coffee, you sent, I, I won't quote the figure because you can quote it, how many texts did you send last year? It was huge. I still remember. Oh, it, it was, yeah, that was a lot. Um, thousands and thousands, mm. you know. So, um, and that just comes back to the quality of information that we're delivering specific to our clients that live in our precincts. And why specifically by text? It's real-time communication. A lot of people um, will read a text message a lot quicker, uh, instantaneously, on their mobile device than an email. Okay, so the read rate's just better. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, okay. and I do it myself. A text message is, I think it's got more power. Instantaneously, <laughs> it's more powerful than an email. We did a little experiment at our office recently where we <clears throat> sent out an email and then we sent the same email but preceded it with a text. 
and the read rate was three times greater. We went for, from something like 45% read rate to 90% just because the text came telling them that the email was coming. Isn't that an interesting stat? Absolutely. So when people get the text, they then expect the email and they open it. Otherwise, it goes into you know the little box, the bin. Yeah. That's where it ends up. That is interesting. Um, moving on from marketing, your team, <clears throat> and I'm going to give them some credit now because Troy's team truly is a team. The other two people that support this excellent business are absolutely top of their game. Have, in my view, some of the best processes I've witnessed so far. So your information flow to your vendors and purchasers is absolutely outstanding um, and a significant component of your success. Can you tell us why you're so thorough with your reporting when you're handling a sale? Your reports on a Monday back to your vendors are absolutely outstanding and very detailed. They take time, they're considered, and they're worded well. Why is that so important to you? Um, it's really important because if you give the more specific, detailed information you can give, I, I believe it, it's going to hold um, more credibility with your vendor because you're, you're, not, you're, you're not just scratching the surface, you're really probing deep and you're having really good in-depth conversations with a buyer and you're really unearthing um, where they're at, what they've looked at, what they feel about the respective property you're marketing. So I think the more detailed information you can give, it gives a, a vendor um, better, a better quality content so they can make an educated decision through the process. And what happens if the information you're now about to give them is not what they want to hear? How do you deliver sometimes bad news? They're hoping for good news. You're not going to deliver any. Mm. I notice your... Um, your information stream is extremely accurate. You never sugarcoat words. Why is that? I mean, you're building a relationship here, but you never keep them warm and fuzzy. You tell the truth. In your reports, they're accurate. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great point, Larry. Um, you know what? You what, uh, transparency is absolutely paramount in this in this industry, and you don't want to sugarcoat any information. And the best way to deliver that when when you have to give information to a client that you don't feel like you want to. And that's the unfortunate thing with our industry at times is that you have to deliver that. Um, and it's important to be empathetic. Empathy plays a big part in, yes. uh, in delivering that. So much like a doctor, if, if a doctor has to give a, a patient bad news or unfortunate news, they have to give it. And mm. you know, it, it's, it's, it's no different to an estate agent delivering news that a client doesn't want to hear, but empathy plays a big role. In that. I think that's really important for all of our inexperienced people out there or inexperienced agents to hear. Too many times I see reports go out that are sugar-coated because they don't wish to deliver bad news, <clears throat> even though it's necessary. And obviously, from a vendor's point of view, they want to hear the good news, so they then don't believe the information that's being delivered. It's extremely important to be accurate and to deliver what needs to be delivered, good or bad. 100%. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, I'm going to move on now from the detail of, of your business. There's something that's been bothering me, and I think it bothers most of the big groups at this time. Tech disruption. There's a lot of the big companies, REA, um, Domain, all of the big aggregators 
are now starting to sell leads to agents. What's your opinion on that? Will it affect our business? Will it affect your business specifically? Um, I knew this question was coming today mm. and there's a few other things obviously that we could digress on this. So it's, I think it's great. Um, if you have good sustainable relationships, I don't believe it's gonna have any impact because if you've got a relationship with a client already and they know you're the go-to agent, just like a trusted advisor, no different to an accountant, solicitor, <coughs> or a doctor as their preference, then it, it shouldn't have any... Um, if you've got a great relationship with a, with a vendor, um, it shouldn't have any impact on your business, no. Can you deliver that a little more forcefully? Let's, let's aim this specifically at agents that do not build good ecosystems and do not have good relationships with their data. If an agent does not have a relationship he will be majorly affected by this because it will just be a price point. They will buy the leads or they will sell them back to you more and more expensive each time. Um, and I think it will be absolutely critical for survival in this industry to build good relationships. Without them, there will be more and more people who already have a relationship that you know that won't deal with you. I'm not sure if I explained that well but it sort of makes sense that the relationship is the key here, not having their name and number. A name and number is just a name and number until you develop a relationship with the name and number. Absolutely, so, and look, if you don't have a, if you don't have a relationship with a vendor or a vendor doesn't have a relationship with any agent at all, they'll, they'll invite you know, three or four agents in and then they'll start looking at, um, they'll make the decision based on fees and uh, marketing, who's gonna rebate, and, and various other yes. uh, key points in their criteria. So, but if you if you've got a uh, a great relationship with a vendor, and you're they they trust you, then they will um, they will generally appoint you based on what 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 you propose and and um, and the marketing etc. And and they see the value in your fee. Um, you know you can you can get off on the right foot and and go through the journey and through the process and work towards the best outcome. Couldn't agree more. So Troy, <clears throat> we've talked, or you've talked at length about the benefit of having a great relationship. So let's deliver a difficult message now to our inexperienced agents that are joining this industry now. Please scare them slightly if they don't build good relationships with their customers. What is likely to happen to them? Um, they'll get, they're gonna get frustrated and they'll, they're gonna lose energy and they'll lose belief that they're gonna be successful in, in this industry. And the, the, there's a very high percentage of agents at start that don't make it past 12 months and they'll be in the scrap heap, unfortunately. <laughs> the scrap heaps, well, we said don't sugarcoat your words. You, you, you certainly didn't, they, they just won't be in the industry. Yeah. But I think the frustration will come was if there's no relationship built, they'll end up competing on price only, and then they end up working really hard for a little bit of money, and they become disillusioned. Yeah, absolutely, they'll be disillusioned, and you know their uh, their experience in the game will be um, will be short lived, unfortunately. And that's that's you know you gotta you've really got to go into the. I think I think for any young agent, look at the best look at the best agents. Um, anyone starting out in the industry, look at the best agents that are being successful, that have been in the game uh, longer than five years, or even if an agent's been in for three years and they're doing really well, model model your business off them. 
personalize and tweak it and be yourself 100% but but model yourself off the agents that are successful and if you know success leaves clues so if you can if you can um, model yourself off them and personalize it your own way you know that's 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 the way forward and if I can give a bit of advice here too there are so many young agents in this industry who are too shy to ask for help what they should be doing is Pick out the top five or the top six fellas that you respect, like their business models. Pick up the phone, buy them a coffee. Most of the good agents that I know are really open. They're not protective of any information and they're willing to share. Ask somebody who's doing it really well to give you 10 minutes of their time. It will be absolute gold and you should buy them lunch, never mind a coffee. Yeah, absolutely. And Ask. I've had, um, I've had um, top performing agents the last two years. Want to, you know, say, can I get half an hour of your time? And, Absolutely. And I've been receptive to that. So I think it, what goes around comes around. And, you know, I love seeing people do well in this industry or whatever industry, you know, even cross-reference with other industries. So um, we're always learning. We're always improving. And I think the day that you think, you, you, you know, you can't learn or improve, that's where you're going to go. That's when, you know, you can get complacent. It and, stops. Um, yeah, absolutely. So now that you're at the top of the pile, and you are, um, how do you keep the motivation? What keeps you striving to keep going well? Do you not get to the point where it's not really about the money, it's not really about the medals, you've got lots of those. So how do you keep yourself motivated each morning to keep on being as good as you are? Oh, for me, it's one, my, my one, it's quality of life. That's my, that's my number one goal is to have a great quality of life. And um, we, we <laughs> got a good mate that we used to train with and we always used to say it's all about balance. And I don't, you think if you don't have the balance in life, it's, you, know, you, can work, you can work yourself into the ground and, and um, you can burn out, which is, which, is, which, which, is, which is what you want to avoid 100%. So having, you know, we spoke about earlier about you go and hit golf balls this morning at, you know, really early before you come to work. And you, I think getting out with nature and, you know, hear the birds or where you're on the beach or whether you walk on the beach or whether you go do a workout or mm. um, I love doing yoga a few times a week and, you know, we do it. And we do that in the park at, at Crop Park right on the, at Kurum and, you know, from 6 to 7 a.m. and it's under the trees and you can, you can hear right on the beach, you can hear the ocean. Beautiful. So, you know, I think it's, um, it's important to have a great quality of life and have the balance and know, you know, you gotta, you got to know where to, Put you know, be productive around your hours at work. You're not being busy. You need to be productive. Mm. Productive, productive <clears throat> is really important. The quality, the quality of work that you do and the productivity is, you know, if you can, you don't have to work ten hours a day. If you can be productive in six, that's great. You know, it's about being productive in those six hours if that's what you choose to do, and then you've got a few hours to, you know, yes. to have leisure time and and to unwind and and exercise and and enjoy yourself. I think there's a good saying that I heard once, doing something unimportant well doesn't make it important. And in real estate, we often end up doing things because we want to appear to be busy. Mm. So my advice would be don't do unimportant things, pass them on um, to, to somebody else for the unimportant stuff, for the agents stay fresh. I would think that try and run at a 70% pace. If you want longevity in this business, you need to take regular breaks. You need to probably work at 70, 75%. 
if you go to 100%, you will burn out. Mm. And if you don't go to 75%, you never get going. But once you're running well and you've got a good business, be careful once you start revving it over 75%. You'll suffer burnout. So regular breaks, short ones, um, are the key. And you're right, balance. I mean, if people could see Troy now, he's sitting in his thongs, he's got a pair of shorts on, he looks like he's just come off the beach, and he's totally relaxed. But he has a thriving business. It's extremely productive. And behind the scenes, it's like a duck. You know, on the top, it doesn't look like it's swimming fast, but below the surface, it's going like hell. And I think that describes you really well. Under the surface, it's moving, but on top, it looks calm. Cruise mode. Cruise mm. mode. So... We've sort of covered why you're good at real estate, how you do things, and why it's working for you. Give us Troy 10 years from now, um, or Troy's life. Um, I think it's important to be active, whether you're, yeah. uh, well, I'm, I'm 47 next year, so, um, and when I'm, fi- so I'm 46 now, but when I'm, <laughs> when I'm 56, um, I'd still love to be in the industry, absolutely. Um, uh, Same thing or changes? Um, not too sure. Not too sure. Um, things can change. Um, always open to change. The um, with with my kids, the age that they are, it, it's important for me to spend a lot of good quality time with them. Yes. And um, because you know, once it's like us when we're kids, you know, once we turn eighteen, we want to go out and um, fly the coop and explore the world and mm. be adventurous, you know. And I and no doubt my kids will want to do the same thing. So. I see um, the next six years is, and the next six to ten years is, or well, Emily's only two, but um, but especially with my two oldest boys being twelve and nine at the moment, so the next ten years are very eight, six to eight, ten years are pivotal with quality of time with them. So that's really important to me. Um, are we going to get them to help build the empire, or um, have you got other plans for them? Well, don't they know about those yet? I'd love them to when they. I think it's important when they leave school is to go out and explore the world. And I, I think the knowledge of having be, being street smart with real estate is paramount. Um, I, I travel the world a lot through my 20s and I, I didn't have a lot of direction in my 20s. It's not until I got into real estate when I was 30. Mm. Um, but I'd traveled a lot and, and seen the world and experienced different cultures. And, I, and you know, building that street smart knowledge was... was, was fundamental I think for where I am today couldn't agree more actually Um, I think having an element of shrewdness and understanding human nature is a huge advantage and often the academics just don't get that they continue studying but they're not you know they they understand things but they're not smart Mm. I think good real estate agents understand human nature and it does make them smarter yeah Troy I noticed that um, we're getting the wide-eyed looks now it's time to wrap up thank you so much for joining us today Um, I think you've shared openly, as is always, You, all the good people never hold anything back. They share openly, they tell people their experiences because they're confident in their knowledge and um, you've demonstrated that today. So thanks so much for sharing. We look forward to the highway together. Beautiful, my pleasure. And uh, good luck to all the young aspiring agents out there and <laughs> uh, go kick some goals. It's a great industry to be involved with and. And um, you, you, you know, you put the systems and you've got the belief and the right attitude and work ethic, you can be uh, successful. So best wishes. Great advice. Thanks. All the best. Okay, folks. Well, this is a wrap for us. Thanks for listening to Listening to Larry. We'd love it if you'd um, join our podcasts or subscribe to our podcast. And if you want to reach out to Troy, please contact Troy at Troy Dowker 
on Instagram.